Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Okay, we're going to go to 2 Timothy this morning. We're going to start in 2 Timothy, and we'll see where we wind up. We're going to start in 2 Timothy. Uh, Let's start in chapter 2. We'll read a couple verses, and then we'll start unpacking. I want to talk to you this morning about fathering fathers. Fathering fathers. How many of you know that we've put a ton of weight in the church in America on the leaders of the church? We put a ton of weight on the pastors, the apostles, those that carry the leadership of the church. And we have demanded from them that they be the ones that be the spiritual guide and the spiritual father and mother. I'm going to say father today just because it's Father's Day, but I mean father and mother. That they be the spiritual father and mother for everybody in the church. And how many of you know that that is absolutely impossible? I don't know how many people are in this room. Let's just, let's just give a nice round number of like 150, 125, 150. It would be impossible for one man and one woman to father and mother that many people. That's physically impossible. Because fathering is not preaching. Fathering is not simply instructing. Fathering is not simply giving you verses that you should read on the side. All of those things might be included, but fathering is a relationship. Fathering is doing life together. Fathering requires that the person who is fathering you not just have the authority to speak into your life, but also the availability to speak into your life. There are lots of people in the body of Christ who I would give authority to speak into my life, but don't have the availability. That makes them a celebrity. That doesn't make them a father. And there are people that have availability to speak in my life, but no authority. That makes them a friend. That doesn't make them a father. Neither one of those things are necessarily bad things in of themselves. But we are called in the body of Christ to have fathers and mothers to bring us into spiritual maturity. So that we become all that we're supposed to be. Because apart from a father and mother, I cannot become all that I'm supposed to be. Regardless of how anointed I am or how anointed I might not be. Regardless of what giftings I do or don't have. I'll never become the full product that he has intended for me to be. Without proper relationship with a father and mother. And yet in the church in America, we've determined that it's the senior leader's job to do that for everyone. And I want you to know that's impossible. And in this house, it is the role of all of us to do that. That might be a new concept for you, but this is an apostolic house. And that means we are an apostolic people, which means we grow people and we father people. That means we are a people who have been poured into so that we can pour into others. So today I want to talk to you, without trying to get too ahead of myself, about fathering fathers. Because it is vital 
Hear me, it is vital if we're going to go where we're supposed to go and become what we're supposed to become that we don't rely on one man or five men or however many we put at the top of our senior leadership platform. We don't rely on those people to be the only fathers and mothers in this house because it will be impossible for us to go where we're supposed to go. Okay? All right. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul, 2 Timothy, you then, my child... My child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. One more time. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Father, we ask your blessing on this word. I pray that you would anoint this word. I pray that it would go forth with power and authority that the good seed of the kingdom would fall on good soil. That these people would receive what you have to say today. Holy Spirit, I ask that not one idle word would come from my mouth. That today that you would declare what you want these people to hear. That it wouldn't be my thoughts or my words, but it would only be from heaven. And it would be for the glory of Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. This is the end of Paul's life. Paul is at the finality of his life. He's in prison. He's headed to die soon. And he's writing this letter not to a church. He's writing this letter not to a group of people. He's writing this letter to a beloved son. He begins the letter in 2 Timothy 1 to Timothy, my beloved son. My beloved son. These are the words of a father to a son. These are, not the words of an, of, these are not the words simply of a senior leader to someone who sits underneath of him and is instructed by him. These are the words of an apostolic father talking to a son who is yielded in relationship. It's important that we understand that because it sets the context for the whole letter. And through the whole first chapter, I'm not going to read it all to you today, but it's not long. Go back and read it at some point this week. Through the whole first chapter, the heart of a father is poured out as the Apostle Paul, from prison, begs his son not to give up on what he has seen poured into him. Paul, from prison, says things like, I am constantly reminded of you. I constantly have you on my mind. I constantly think about you. I'm reminded of the things that were in your grandmother and in your mother and I know for a fact are in you now. How can the apostle who would travel all around the known world preach to thousands of people, convert thousands of people, disciple thousands of people, be able to say, I know what's in you. I saw it in your grandmother, in your mother. Now it's in you. I'm convinced. Don't give up on it. Because he had a personal, intimate relationship with someone who was yielded to the call. Someone who was yielded to the call. Timothy recognized that in order for him to be all that he was supposed to be, it was necessary for him to yield to the fathering and the instruction of an apostle, of the father figure in Paul. And Paul recognized that there was a relationship that God was birthing between him and Timothy. You cannot go around and just snatch up folks and declare that they're your son or daughter in the faith. And you can't go around and snatch up folks and declare that you're my father or mother in the faith. But when you recognize in a moment that God is birthing a relationship, it is vital that you yield to what God is birthing. 
and you recognize what God is doing. Paul and Timothy recognized that God was bringing something together and that together they would build something that apart they could never build. Ephesus is one of the greatest known revivals the world has ever seen. The world has ever seen. Take take the biggest revival your mind can wrap itself around. Take, Take the revival in Pensacola and combine it with Toronto and combine it with Bethel and wrap it all in one and Ephesus was bigger. It was bigger. And Paul couldn't have built it by himself. And Timothy couldn't have done it by himself. But yielded in a relationship together, they built something that the known world had never seen before. And a city that ran Paul out of town, that ran Paul out of town because he was preaching the gospel, that rioted together to beat him up and try and kill him. That same city hosted a revival that changed the whole region. Because a father and son said, together we're going to do something that has never been seen before. Because fathers recognize that through their sons they can accomplish more than they can on their own. And sons recognize that there is a unity that is built in combining with their strength of the father. That there is wisdom in latching on to a father. That I can't do what I'm supposed to do without my father. You don't have to have him as your spiritual father, but you better have a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Because you'll never go where He's called you to go if you don't have one. You'll never get to where He's called you to get to if you don't have one. And if you do, by some grace of the living God, get there, it'll be through hell that you weren't meant to walk through. Because a spiritual father and mother will guide you and guard you and keep you and instruct you and help you along the way. Through the ups and downs of this life. Because they have been there before. And they recognize the necessity of helping the next generation. Because God never meant to finish in one generation what He started. He has never been about a one generation move. He has always been about doing something through the generations. Through the generations, Psalm 24 talks about a generation that will ascend the hill of the Lord and stand before Him. Not visit His presence, but a generation that will ascend the hill of the Lord and dwell before Him. How do we get there? I get a little bit closer and I hand the baton off. And they get a little bit closer and hand the baton off because God is always multiplying the effectiveness through the generations. So Paul is urging on Timothy. Let's back up a little bit in 2 Timothy 1.13. He begins the letter by urging Timothy not to give up, by encouraging him to press on. And he comes to 2 Timothy 1.13. And he tells Timothy, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The the pattern here is an outline. It's a sketch. It's a general idea. Paul here is saying, I have given you the border of what it looks like to live this life for Christ. But I have not given you a stencil of what it looks like to live this life for Christ. I remember when, when dad first started having me mow the yard. 
I, rem- I, I don't know why I remember this so clearly. I remember standing in the backyard with him and asking him certain questions about, I've always been a detailed person. I don't know why. I think it's aggravating to me sometimes, but that's just who I am. I remember asking questions about like which direction I'm supposed to go and how I'm supposed to do it. Am I supposed to go this way or that way? And I remember my dad not caring about the particulars. Here's what dad cared about. Did the yard get mowed and was I safe? That was really it. And did I not break the mower? Because let's not do that. But he gave me an outline of what it looked like to mow the yard. I had seen him do it over the years. I had watched him mow the yard over the years. And now it was my turn. And he didn't care if I mowed it in the same direction as him. He didn't care if the lines looked exactly as perfect as his lines looked. Because he understood that in my taking over of the mower, there was going to be some wiggle in the lines. And I might miss a spot here or there. But he recognized that handing the baton off to his son had to leave room for me to make some errors. A father doesn't say, this is exactly the way you have to do it. But a father says, this is the way that I've always done it. Here are the borders and the boundaries. Stay in here and you'll be safe. But inside of there, figure out your way to do it. And I'm here to help if you need it. I'm here to help if you need it. There's a proverb that says, don't move the ancient boundaries or the ancient landmarks. There are certain non-negotiables. There are certain non-negotiables. There are certain places that stakes have been set. And we don't move those. But inside of that, listen son, you've got to figure out your own way to do it. I'm here to help if you need it. But I'm not going to tell you you have to be a cookie cutter of me. Because that's not what a father does to a son. A father says, how do you want to do it? How are you going to complete it? What are your strengths where I might be weak? Or where are you weak that I might be strong? And how is it best for you to complete what God has called you to complete? As long as you stay in the boundaries and as long as you're safe while you're doing it, as long as you're secure while you're doing it and people aren't getting hurt while you're doing it, that's what a father does to a son. And Paul says, listen, I've given you the boundaries. Now stay in the boundaries and run. Stay in the boundaries and run. Too often we try to create too small of boundaries and there's no room to run for our sons and daughters. I'm talking, I'm talking spiritually here. I'm not talking physically. We've created these boundaries and we say, can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And before we know it, we've tried to create a replica of my anointing on my son or daughter and it will never work that way. I've got to recognize that there's something in them and on them that's not in me and on me. But I've got to help them know where the boundaries are. I've got to help them know where the boundaries are. Paul said, follow the pattern of the sound words. The word for sound here actually means healthy. Or that which leads to health. Paul said, the pattern I've given you is for health. In other words, the pattern I've given you leads to a healthy walk. The father's pattern that he lays for the son will always be one that leads to a healthy walk. An apostolic spiritual father will never give an outline or a pattern for a son that leads to destruction and devastation and turmoil and and hardships. Well, there might be some hardships, but that's not because of the instruction. 
but it is one that comes with instruction that leads to health. Because a father's intent is for his son and daughter to be healthy. For his son and daughter to live a healthy life. A life that leads to the fullness of what God has called him to. Listen, this church is called to shape this region. I don't know how long you've been here. I've been here a while. This church is called to shape this region. We are not called to have good services or sermons or worship sets. We are called to change this region. We do that through shaping the lives of people who go out and shape the lives of people. And if we're going to get people's lives shaped, they have to be connected to people who recognize there are some things that are not healthy for you. And there are other things that are healthy for you. And someone needs to come alongside them and say, walk in the things that are healthy. Walk in the things that are healthy. The lie of the enemy is, is let them figure it out on their own. That's foolish. That's garbage. I would never let my physical, natural sons do that. I would save them and rescue them and stop them and give them instruction that led to health. Why in the church do we say, let them figure it out on their own? you got to go through the hardships before you get to the blessing. No, if I've been through it, why shouldn't I impart what I've been through to the next person in line? So that they don't have to walk through the hell that I went through. This is a family, not an organization. It's not a business. It's a family. It's a family. It's a family. It's a family. We have a father who is giving us the instructions to build a family. It's not a business. It's a family. And he's called us to be fathers and mothers who steward the relationship with sons and daughters who bring them in to the rightful standing with their heavenly father so that they can speak over their sons and daughters. Because the only way we change that mess out there is getting the mess in here fixed. Is getting the mess in here fixed. And it'll never get fixed by saying, don't do that. Don't do that. It'll get fixed by saying, I love you and I care about you. And let me wrap my arm around you and help you do life. And help you do life. We cannot abandon the call to fathering and mothering. To fathering and mothering. And we cannot abandon the call to being sons and daughters. Who yield to fathers and mothers. Paul said in verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. In other words. There are things that are laid up inside of you. That have not come to fruition yet. And I know it because I helped put them there. I know it because I helped put them there. Yes the Lord put them there. Yes, Jesus has deposited things inside of you, but I have deposited things inside of you. I have laid up things inside of you. I talked about this in the early service, but there's a principle that the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 9. He talks about it in terms of finances, but it's a kingdom principle. It's bread for the eater and seed for the sower. The Apostle talks about it in terms of finances in 2 Corinthians 9, but it's a kingdom principle. What we receive has to be looked at in this way. 
that part of it is bread and part of it is seed. And the Apostle Paul says, I know there's good seed in you because I took what I had and I deposited it inside of you. I deposited some of what I had inside of you. And I know it's in there. And I know it may not be budding yet. I know it may not have any fruit on it yet. I know it may still be germinating and it may not even be broken through the surface yet. But there is seed deposited in you because I put it there. If nobody else put it there, I put it there. And the Father's heart, the Father's heart says, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to keep tending. I'm going to keep tending. I'm going to keep tending and I'm going to trust the process. Because good seed sown in good soil produces good fruit. Regardless of what the circumstances say, good seed sown in good soil is going to yield good fruit. And I'm going to keep trusting the process. Skip down to chapter 2, verse 1. Paul talks about a couple people in those last couple verses. We don't need to talk about them. They weren't good sons. They turned their back on him. And ran out on him. Except Onesiphorus. Did I say that right? Close. Close. Alright, 2 Timothy 1. 2, 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We'll go ahead and read two. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul has been encouraging Timothy. He's been encouraging Timothy. I know there's good stuff in you because I put it there. And then he says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men that they will be able to teach others also. The word for heard here is not just to physically hear, but the word for to hear here is to yield to the voice. It's to yield to the voice. In other words, if we're going to be a people that pour into others, we have to be sons and daughters who yield to the voice of a father. We'll never be able to pour into sons and daughters if we're not a, a son and daughter ourselves who yield to the voice of a father. We have to be willing to draw near and listen to the voice of a father. Even when it's correction. Even when it might not be what I want to hear. Even when the Father says, give me two more years. I feel like I'm ready to go. I feel like I'm ready to go, Pastor. Give, give me two more years. He yielded to the voice of a Father. And there's been seed and fruit that has hung on His tree ever since. Because He yielded to the voice of a Father. It takes those who know how to yield to the voice of a Father. Who attract those who yield to the voice of a Father. Because the measure that you measure, it'll be measured unto you, Jesus said. It'll be measured unto you. But if we don't draw near to the voice of a father, we'll never know what sound instruction sounds like. We'll never know what sound discipline sounds like. And we'll try to father and mother from a place of orphan spirit. We'll be an orphan spirit that tries to father and mother and that never works out. That never works out. Because we've never come under the leadership of a sound father or mother's voice. And Paul said, if you want to pour out, you've got to come near first. And then once you come near, entrust it to other people. Entrust it to other men so that they can teach others also. Entrust is what you think it is. It's to entrust, but it's also it's to entrust or commit or deposit but it's also to set a table with food. It's to set a table with food. I think this is a beautiful picture of a father. 
It's to set a table with food. To prepare a table to eat. Because this is what a father does. A father pulls a son near and says, Come and eat of what I have provided. Come and feast on what I have given you. Because there are things in my life that I have been graced with. And I want you to eat of what I have been given. I want you to feast on what I have been given. I want you to sit at the table with me. A place of conversation. A place of of encouragement. A place of discourse. The family table. I want you to sit here and to eat with me. And entrust, Paul says, entrust this to other people. And this may sound simple to you, but the word for others here is, is, is a number not, it's opposed to the same. It's a number opposed to the same. In other words, what the Greek is saying here is if you had two numbers, it's, it's the other number, not the same one. The meaning here, the, really what it's saying is, is it's, Paul is saying to Timothy, there are people that I can't reach. There are folks that I can't get to. There, there, are people, there are people out there that I need you to entrust this to. And there are people you need to entrust it to because they need to teach others that you can't get to. Even in the city of Ephesus where you live every day, where you work every day, where you walk every day, where you're teaching the word every day, there are others that you can't get to. Because I'm not at the factory in Georgetown on the shop floor. I'm not in Lexington every day. I'm not in Georgetown every day. I'm not in Frankfurt every day. There are folks, there are others that the apostle can't get to. There are others that the first lady cannot get to. But there are others that you can get to. There are others that your life touches every single day. That you make an impact on. And it doesn't have to be a weird, super spiritual thing. It doesn't have to be that. It just has to be a person whose arms are open. Who says, I have been poured into. And because I have been poured into, I'm willing to pour out. I'm willing to pour out. I'm willing to give what has been given to me. I'm willing to share what has been shared with me. Because there is... There is something that has been given to me. A grace that has been put into my life. And I want to share that with you. I want to share that with you. Because there are people that need touched. There are people I work with that that may not ever make it into a church building. But they tell me all, I mean, when I say all, I mean all about their lives. Like all about their lives. Stuff I don't need to know. But for some reason, they feel confident in trusting me with that kind of information. And they pour that kind of information out. Why? I don't know. Maybe because I'm open. Maybe because I'm open. And if you thought about it, you got people you work with like that. you got people that you connect with like that in your family. People in your family that don't talk to anybody else. But for some reason, they get close to you. For some reason, they hang out next to you. And they just tell you about stuff. You're like, what in the world is this person telling me about their, this thing and that thing going on at the thing? At the thing? And they just tell you about stuff because they're looking for somebody to pour out into their life. Because at the heart of it, we're all looking for a father and mother. We're all looking for a father and mother. We're all looking for somebody to pour into our life. You know, for somebody, for somebody like the apostle, it comes natural 
to be a father and mother. And for somebody who's not in, who doesn't have that grace on their life, it doesn't come as natural. It may not come as natural because part of the apostolic anointing, part of the grace on the apostle is to be a father. The apostle is a builder, but the apostle, the gift of the apostle is also a father. So how, how do we, who are not maybe, who, who aren't five-fold apostles, how do we say, okay, well, how do I become a father? It is because the grace that is on his life allows us to be fathers and mothers. Ephesians 4 says that the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that the grace that is on those gifts, it is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, the grace that rests on his life to be a father, when I allow him to speak into my life, it rubs off on me. And now, I don't have to be a five-fold apostle. I've got apostolic grace that has rubbed off on my life. And now I carry the ability to be a father because I hear it in everything that he talks about. Everything that he talks about comes out with the heart of a father. And it's like walking past somebody in the mall that's got too much perfume on. I get too close to him and now I'm carrying it. I'm carrying it. And everywhere I go, I smell like it. I smell like it now. Does that make sense? Now I'm carrying that. It's the same thing with all the rest of the fivefold gifts. We're not all called to be prophets, but all are called to be prophetic. How? Because the fivefold office of the prophet rubs off on the people, and now they carry the prophetic grace to be prophetic. The apostle rubs off on us and his heart to be a father, his heart to father the city, his heart to father the region rubs off on us. Because if you'll listen and lean in, everything he says has the heart of a father in it. Whether he's talking about sin or whether he's talking about blessing, it's got the heart of a father in it. Because it's who he is. And now, as I lean in and listen to that, it gets on me. And I start talking with that twang, if you will. And now I start talking with the heart of a father. And I start aligning myself with the heart of a father. And I start living with the heart of a father. Because there are people who need the heart of a father poured into them. There are people who need the heart of a father poured into them. But it takes people who are willing to say yes. Here's what we can do. We can say no. The beauty of the kingdom and the terror of the kingdom is that we can say no. He has always given us the option to say no. He has always given us the option to say no. And we can continue to live in a relationship with him and not touch anybody. But we can say yes and shape a city. We can say yes and change a region. We can say yes and maybe touch a nation. And go around the world and establish relationships that never could have been birthed otherwise. Because we've been poured into and we're willing to pour ourselves out into other people's lives. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.